0: Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I'm your host. Tonight is October 9th, 2012, and I have a news story. Uh, welcome everybody. And uh, I have a news story here that I just want to talk about. Uh, it's pretty big breaking news. Um, this is on org. And they have a lot of uh, news coverage regarding these types of uh, cases. The headline says: Alcoholics Anonymous World Services sued by parents of murder victim Carla Brada. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous World Service and Santa Clarita Alcoholics Anonymous has been sued by the parents of murder victim Carla Brada. Parents accuse AA of harboring a predator. Grieving parents say in court that their daughter was murdered by her sociopathic addict boyfriend because Alcoholics Anonymous concealed his history of domestic violence. The Menendezes say that AA showed a reckless disregard for and deliberate indifference to the safety and security of victims attending AA meetings who are repeatedly preyed on at these meetings by financial, violent, and sexual predators like Earl. Earl. AA has known for years that meetings are repeatedly used by financial, sexual, and violent predators as means to locate victims, according to the lawsuit in Superior Court. But nevertheless, the organization has no specific policies and guidelines concerning conduct of so-called sponsors, and does little to supervise them. And as most of us know, uh, especially those of us that were once in it, that there is uh, there is no oversight of any kind over, uh, you know, anybody that's there. Um, And so uh, it's really, really a sad case, and my heart goes out to the parents of uh, Carla Brada and as well as to the family that is also still surviving, of Christine and Sandra Cass, who were also murdered by a man that they met in a meeting back in um, August of 2010. If they would have done something like the work we were doing in 2009 and in spring, April of 2010, when we held the first Make AAC for a workshop, uh, if New York World Services would have sent letters to all the GSRs and everybody else that they have in their database and required everyone to start making an announcement, um, things I'm sure would be different, but they're not. So um, anyway, I have a very, very special guest here with me, and this is Amy LeCoy is here with me today.
1: Hello, <laughs> hi. Thank you for
0: having me. Good to have you here. So um, now I have Amy's book in front of me. Amy's book is from Death Do I Part: How I Freed Myself from Addiction. And we had Amy on early, a long time ago, right? It was when I, I first heard. started the show. Yeah. 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 So uh, tell me what's been going on. What's what's new? What's and new? What's new? And, uh, I'm gonna take. You, I'm gonna put you on. No, no just, You may not hear you. Oh, so okay. i just um, talk
1: right into well, it. Well, in regards to the book, I'm still, I'm actually working on doing sort of an online version, an interactive online video version, mm-hmm. and creating workshops around the book, um, Self Recovery of Self workshops. Mm-hmm. And I still have Illumin Room in the works, which is kind of a hub for all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm having some discussion. Um, it's a little up in the air what I'm going to be doing about the forum because um, it, it's difficult to run a forum, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. one person, as we know from recovering from recovery, which was doing really well, and I was hoping to sort of link up with that, but mm-hmm. that had to close down. So I'm, I'm not quite sure how I'll be taking care of that mm-hmm. end of it, but mm-hmm. something, something good, so... So um, I've been working on that, and I'm working on my new album, and what else am I doing? You have a children's
0: book, so I want to talk about that. I want to mention that. So you ha- what's the name of your children's book? Uh,
1: Duke Devil and the Daring Dogie. Okay. Yeah. So uh, when, <laughs> that,
0: talked about that? when did you
1: write that book? Um, I wrote that in 2007. I illustrated it, and um, that has to do with uh, a lot of, it's my, it's kind of, comes a little bit from me, my personal experience, but also other people that I've met over the years who struggle with addiction and depression and mm-hmm. just, you know, life in a intense way more than the average person. A lot of us grew up kind of with unstable families and had to learn to fend for ourselves at a very young age, mm-hmm. you know, either divorced parents or losing mm-hmm. a parent or something like that. And it's the story of, Duke Devlin, the little calf who's born to his wonderful mommy, and then she goes off and she gets hungry in the book and goes to go eat, and then they get separated, and he's left out on his own in the big world he knows nothing about to try and find food. He gets hungry and all and you know, dark Mm -hmm. forest and Mm -hmm. all those kind of scary kind of things. And, you know, it's a nice ending, of course, it's a children's book, but, you know, Mm -hmm. for adults too in that Mm -hmm. sense. I don't even have children. Yeah,
0: so, um, yeah, she brought me a copy, so I'm going to read it, and we'll talk about it. Uh, welcome, everybody. So I'm talking to Amy Lee Coy, the author of From Death Do I Part. Um, Amy has a website, the
1: uh,
0: Illum. Illumin Room, so it's I-L-L-U.
1: It's not actually active. Right oh, it's now, not active yet. So okay. Right now, my main website will lead there, okay. fromdeathdoipart.com or amyleecoy.com. There will there'll be links when it's. Running.
0: So one of the things that um, oh, I've so promoted Amy's book, one is that I did read it from cover to cover. It was an easy read. It was, uh, you know, I think that a lot of the other books that I was turned on to as I was deprogramming and leaving Alcoholics Anonymous were more heady books. They were programs. They were, And, you know, I mean, I needed to read it all, but it was good to read something that was a very personal and her journey. And the thing that I like so much about it is that Amy's story is so different from mine, and having been dropped off, right, from at 13. To the first drug
1: and alcohol rehab wow. center and AA yeah. meetings and all that goes along with typical yeah. rehab. <laughs> yeah, I doesn't
0: was that a sound kid. like a fun teenage life. Yeah, well,
1: right? it's kind of common now, but it sure yeah. wasn't in 1984 mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I was there. It was scary.
0: Yeah, so that's the part that I really hate, that it's common, that it wasn't yeah. when, you know, you started, but that it's really common now, and I think parents need to really wake up and parent their own kids, and that by sending them off, first of all, it's a waste of money. Rehab is, and you can get steppers there. And, you know, just to say common
1: does not mean it's right. I mean, I Mm -hmm. say this about, Mm -hmm. like, fast food and hamburgers. Just because it's common doesn't mean they're healthy. So just because rehab and medications and all this stuff is all over the TV and it didn't used to be doesn't mean it's good for us and the right soul food or health food or anything, you know, or, or the answer to addiction problems or depression or any of that stuff. I mean, it's something to look into, but, you know, it doesn't mean it's the right thing just mm-hmm. because it's popular, Right, for sure. that's right, because mm-hmm.
0: cigarettes they used to have a label on them that said they were good for you back in the 30s, right. like when they yeah. developed AA. So uh, one of the things that I'm really happy about, because I've been doing this show since March of 2011 was when I first began. And, yeah, and uh, and I feel much more comfortable now doing the show. But back then, Amy was not doing any coaching or even thinking of uh, workshops or whatever is gonna, you're working on right now. So uh, can you tell us if, if what else you're doing? Because when I first met you, you're a singer, a songwriter. You just did some music, which you can talk about, too. You have your book. But um, if somebody else needs help, what else are you now providing that you weren't, say, when I first interviewed you?
1: Um I do a limited amount of coaching or more mm-hmm. mentoring. Mm-hmm. I, I did get like uh certified in, in that area. But it's um it isn't actually what my main thing is I want to send out the broader message. I mean mm-hmm. um but I but there, so there is a I do a little bit of personal one on one coaching with people but um uh yeah, and I'm working on the workshops, the self-recovery itself, to mm-hmm. reach more people. Because it really, I think the biggest—well, it's not the biggest thing, but it's so important just to get that message out to people that there's another way. There are actually mm-hmm. quite a few ways, what, you know, to help yourself to get well, mm-hmm. and you don't have to be limited by just the conventional t- treatment that's out there right now. Right. In fact, that itself is limiting. Mm-hmm. And and in my case was you know, detrimental to my recovery, to my health, to my life, because it prevented me. I mean, it wasn't just that it put me off. I was dying, and it got in the way of me. I, I was, I couldn't grasp on to something that would really help me because I couldn't see anything. And what eventually did help me is healing therapies that have been around since the beginning of healing, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. which is nurturing and um, mm-hmm. just taking care of yourself in a way that regular people and I'm a regular people too get yes. to get to use to get well and but because I was labeled and categorized yes, put in a, a, a category time, yeah. of being this alcoholic and mm-hmm. this you know depressive kind of thing I wasn't able to use what really works because I'm in a separate category. And I'm saying that's not true. I'm not an alien species. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Like, and those things actually got me
0: well. I'm well. Yeah. You so know? Some, do you consider, do you Bade label my yourself? Life? Do you label
1: yourself? Never. Right. I mean, only, not even in that. Other yeah. labels just for fun, but no. Right, but you don't no, label yourself as an not. alcoholic or addict. Never. Right.
0: That was, and so w- at what, what light went off that you know, was it before you wrote the book, or while you were writing the book, you realized that labeling was actually harmful?
1: Well, I never actually, I mean... uh, Did you never buy into that? I I had a hard time ever buying into it. I was not a regular AA person, Mm -hmm. or, you know, but there were, I had my moments of total desperation where I would try it on for size, you know, and at different ages in my life and stages in my life, and... But I, it was always hard for me to swallow, mm-hmm. you know, to say mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's just so, mm-hmm. it's unpleasant. Yeah. And I I have a little bit of a background sort of um, like metaphysical, even mm-hmm. though you wouldn't guess that by the way I treated myself and, yeah. you know, drank all the time and everything. But yeah. I just, it just wasn't, for whatever reason anyway, I just, I it was hard for me to believe that I was, you know, at 13 or at 16 or whatever, the same as this, you know, seventy-year-old guy with the tattoos. You know, sitting up there saying, "I, I know." I know. Just saying this bothers some people, but I, I just don't believe it. That you know, I'm a, I'm an addict, alcoholic, and this is your future. Like I'm looking at this as a kid, going, "He's my future." Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, and you know what? What do you think?
0: This is the thing that sort of evolved, uh, I guess, with media and television. But you know, nobody ever said they were in recovery. Like, you. Like, you just didn't, and this it's sort of like this name of, I'm in recovery, and we, there was a whole thread on blogging about it, and we were all going, like, what are you talking about? I'm in recovery. Like, recovery from what? Like, somebody was like, if you, if a boat hit an iceberg, you know,
2: like,
0: <laughs> you had to fix the boat and you're fine, you know, you're not, for life, like, can you imagine if somebody said it to me, they would have said, you know, you're really going to have to come here forever when I was 18, and... You know, you're really... But they did. They kind of tried to, you know, get me to believe that. But I love that about you. I love that you don't label and that... um, And what would the other biggest difference if um, you'd say between what you're developing and what you really just did for yourself? Because I know you're a heavy drinker because I read your book, and we've gotten to be good friends. But... What was the big difference, would you say, of how you view things when you talk to somebody who's been going to AA and it's been failing them miserably, whether it's for two years, five years, or ten years, and then they start call, they call you and you start to talk to them? What do you find that you have that you share with them that makes it help what them? I,
1: what do I find that I what with them?
0: That you can say to them, like, what do you share with them? Uh, you know, uh, well, what is their... What am I trying to say? Like, um, the, it's much more important, I think.
1: Well. I listen to them. Yeah. You know, I listen mm-hmm. to them. I don't throw in their face things that they have to believe or ideas they have to mm-hmm. take in. I and mean, you know, I don't I never say they're powerless because I believe the opposite.
0: Right, right. But
1: but mainly, of course, at first I listen and hear what's going on and it's their own frustration that that I mean they know mm-hmm. something's not right. Yeah, you think know? yeah, like
0: so? Most people who call you're already in that place. Yeah, yeah. and
1: well, if they they would if, if it were working fine, they'd be fine. And right. i would never know them because I don't go to those places meetings. Right. You know, right? But I mean, like it was the same with me. Like any time I would be going, because always in rehab you go every day, and then there'd be times where I would follow up and go for a few weeks or a month after. But you know, for me, it always felt not right or Mm -hmm. sort of depressing or Mm -hmm. like I'm like forcing myself into clothes that don't fit, you know, or colors I can't stand or something like that. And so, and people who write to me, you know, it's the same kind of feeling. So I've had that feeling Mm -hmm. of total discomfort. Something's not right. And that's kind of your intuition. And I encourage listening and paying attention to your intuition mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know but i mean I, I that's the thing i don't i don't tell people what to do i ask them you know like and then i share my experience and that opens doors for people just so you can they can see you know there's other windows to look out and doors to walk through kind of thing right. choices they can make right you know mm-hmm. and and sharing
0: and talking with people who understand is very mm-hmm, helpful mm-hmm. So. Um, were you put on uh, antidepressants through this period, the years where you went the, in and out of rehab? The, first time, about that? the
1: mm-hmm. first time I was 15 and I was in a rehab, and I was freaked out because that was, again, before medication was, it was mm-hmm. just starting to come out. And Prozac mm-hmm. wasn't even out yet. This was a different mm-hmm. antidepressant. And that really, like, I was really, wow, I must really be a messed up person that I need to have medication. Now, people wouldn't have that thought so much now because it's so common. <laughs> Maybe they would, but I, I it just really upset me. And so I tried it, but I didn't try it very long. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And
1: then I think the next time was Prozac, so I was probably 17 or 18 when that came out.
0: They put you on Prozac at 17? 17 or 18, I, I can't guess remember was exactly. before the lawsuits of, well, Maybe under so. 18 and...
1: But then I had side effects, so they gave me another... Like, my ankle swelled and weird stuff. And here, I, you know, it was terrifying. And I'll still, all the while, I'm like, this is something's not right about this. I know, like inside, I knew I wasn't broken, but I didn't know the answer what was wrong. Mm-hmm. I had a really difficult um, childhood mm-hmm. uh, for me. I, I had a really hard time. A lot of things mm-hmm. happened, and I didn't have anyone guiding me properly in how to handle my emotions or experiences mm-hmm. or anything like that. And so I had been off, off my whole upbringing but so I was Mm -hmm. used to things kind of being out of whack but this was really like I also still had my my instinct and my gut my intuition and I was just that didn't fit in I mean you know when something feels right and you know when it doesn't right so medication for me Mm -hmm. every time I've been put on it never ever felt right you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just side effects and there were side effects it was you know how it and people would say well you know you start to feel better and you quit and it, i don't know this is it, it's i didn't i never started to feel better on that stuff
0: yeah yeah I, I liked when i didn't like i mean what i mean to say is that um we first saw the commercials which i think should be illegal um just like i'd rather see alcohol ads than these ads but um what do we have 11 minutes left uh, that um, And then when they started the antidepressant ads that had, if your antidepressant isn't working, you might want to add this one. Then I knew they were really over the top. And if you don't know this, that it has become a billion-dollar industry and that you should uh, take a look at um, a movie called Generation Rx that's on Netflix, which is very eye-opening where now they're beginning even doctors that once and I think that there are certain drugs for schizophrenia that are really great that they didn't have a good drug for that. Just like they're, you know, antiviral for AIDS now. That's great. And if somebody's suicidal. But it, what they all were saying is that it's never been those, these are not like illnesses that were ever, forever, that mental illness has up and down to it. That it isn't like, okay, you need to take this pill forever now. Like you're so fucking sick. Mm-hmm. And I think that in watching the film, that now that the studies are showing that, People are getting sicker. Yeah, well, from Robert Whitaker's. Yes, Robert Whitaker's. You know, yes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: What is the title of that? Meta- anyway, America. Robert Whitaker. He's yeah, on but the ra- website. Yeah. Book, and yeah. it
0: talks about the. The epidemic? Hold this a second. No, yeah, I think, sure. it. yeah, I think um, it's an epidemic of something.
1: And the long term studies are not good on taking. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, you know, they can be a means to an end for some people, but there's uh, physically. They're damaged. There. They have a lot of research, and you need to be just careful. People need to just should be able to find this stuff easily. The information from and be given it from their doctors. But anyway, it's you know people.
0: I think should have the freedom to do what what they want with and be informed. You know. Yeah. So here it is: anatomy of an epidemic. Anatomy of an Epidemic um, just really opened my eyes. I've had Robert Whitaker on. He's a speaker. He speaks all around, and he was a journalist. I guess he still is, but he's written these two fantastic books where there's a lot of um, people. He talks about antipsychotics and benzodiazepines and antidepressants and the side effects, and um, it just was really fascinating to talk to him. Uh, So I am now sitting here and talking to Amy Lee and Amy is an author, and she is a singer-songwriter, and she is a coach, and she's developing uh, a new—I don't even want to call it a program. I don't. I didn't even in my thing, Amy. I said um, she's developing a. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm still working on oh, no. it. We want to. We we we've discovered we hate certain words. We don't like them anymore. Um, the book is from death do I part? How I freed myself from addiction. And um, your music. You have a record. Is it on iTunes? Mm-hmm.
1: I yeah. have one record out, it's Melty Mind Thing, it's mm-hmm. on iTunes and...
0: Melty Mind Thing, if you didn't hear that, which is just a Melty Mind Thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, iTunes, Amazon, Bandcamp, which is really great, if you're a musician, you should check it out. And it has the, the cover, the CD cover, also all the
0: lyrics are there. And okay, I'm that's that's really nice. Camp? Bandcamp. Oh, Bandcamp.com, Bandcamp. 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 it's great. It's is it great. really? Yeah. Oh, okay, we'll have to go there. Um, If anybody wants to call in, we have about eight minutes left. You can call in at 818-475-9211 and ask Amy or myself a question. It's, again, 818-475-9211. I want to shout out to Kevin and say hi. I know you're in the listening room there. I'm waving my hand uh, across the Internet uh, perspective of things. Uh, So, you know, I want to just uh, kind of put this out because of the first news The story that I read today—that you know, people don't think that they can sue people—and I was informed by, um, not I was informed by somebody that who works downtown in the courthouse all the time for lawsuits that anybody can file. And he said, you wouldn't believe what people like—they handwrite the lawsuits—and that you know, if anyone feels that they've been wronged, I really want to encourage you to fight for your rights and know what they are. And just imagine if what you're discussing or going through at any point. is a, uh, you know, if anybody harmed you at the PTA, in a grocery store, uh, at a home goods store, what would you do? You would call the police and you would, uh, you know, I just wanted to just say take care of yourself and do what you need to do. Let me see. I have a caller on the line. Let's see if the caller wants to. Hi, caller, you're live. Can I have your name, please?
2: Hey, Monica. It's ironic.
0: Hi, Ironic. How are you? I'm doing
2: okay. Driving 70 miles an hour through the Florida Everglades right now on my way back to Hollywood.
0: (laughs) Well, you're you're on live. You're on the show.
2: (laughs) Hi, guys. I had a question for Amy, actually, because, you know, I read her book on your suggestion, of course, a couple of months ago. Hello, Amy. I loved your book. Um, I, my question actually has to do—I don't know if it's—it's it's not really about your book. It's more of a general question. One of the one of the things I've noticed a lot, and it's—it's it's harder for me because I'm younger. I'm only 23, so I always wonder. People talk about, and I think you talked about in your book. People talk about moments in time where they, you know, they—they they mention it in AA, and they mention it like, you know, having I guess, like a like aha moment where you say, "Oh, I'm gonna not use drugs anymore because I just had this aha uh-huh moment." And I and I feel like, you you know, you went through some of that in your book, and I'm just wondering, like, does everybody have one of these aha moments and then actually, like, you know, days and weeks and months later say, oh, I still don't want to use drugs anymore? Because it feels like I've had about a thousand aha moments, and I still, I can go eight months without touching and shot a heroin, and then all of a sudden one day it's just. Yeah. Yeah, I've had quite a
1: few of those aha moments, too. <laughs> that wasn't the first time I quit. It, but the difference was, what was the difference? The difference was, actually, I had, oh, I had such a long history of, of you know, the rehabs and, and trying and the doctors and all of this. I was just fed up. I wasn't, I, I was fed up with living that way, but more than that, I was fed up with the treatment that was being thrown my way when I knew there was there has to be more because I wasn't well, people weren't well, people were still struggling with just going in circles and I know we're in a more more intelligent society than that, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but the aha moments, I mean, you're not alone in that. A lot of times those aha moments are actually fear, you know, yeah. which is okay if that's what gets you to quit. It doesn't matter if it's fear or not, you know, but then you have to learn how to maintain you know, your new health and everything. And that's a lot of the tools that I talk about, you know, learning to, I mean, like self-diminishing habits and patterns, you know, they're really stubborn and they take a lot of repetitive adjustments, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get them to stay, to stick with you. And um, so it takes time and, you know, sometimes the aha moments are it and sometimes it's mm-hmm. what you get after those moments that makes a difference.
2: Do you feel as though being put on Prozac so young actually affected you biochemically? Because I was actually put on Prozac when I was 8 or 9 years old. Uh, and well, I wasn't put, on it supported. long enough,
1: I don't think, for it to do that. I was never a good patient that way. <laughs> <laughs> but And I've been on a lot of different of uh, those drugs. I think we would try them all, and, you know. <laughs> but, but I know, I mean, again, from Robert Whitaker's book, and he actually has a video um, that I watched and learned mm-hmm. a lot from, Um, that it's not, I mean, it it makes a difference how many years you were on it. But if you were just on it a couple years, I don't think so. How many years were you on it,
2: Ironic? Um, Well, they put me on Prozac when I was, I guess I think I must have been nine. And then I think I was on on Prozac until I was about 11 or 12. And then a bunch of other stuff happened. I think I was off medication for a year. And then they started in with the whole, she can't pay attention, she can't concentrate, and they put me on the, the amphetamines and the and then you know I had one of the psychotic episodes from the amphetamines. I actually, read an article in the New York Times about that today. Mm-hmm. Kids having kids having psychotic episodes from the amphetamines and then so I mean it could have been any number of any one thing that you know any number of things that messed up my brain in particular. Well,
1: I'm Not a just, really b- big believer in the environment playing a huge part in you know a person's response and for you to have like you know different symptoms at 9, 10, 11, that, that they, people would see as requiring more medication. I mean, look at the environment you were in and the people's environment who were treating you. I mean, it wouldn't probably be the prescription I would. I mean, but I'm not medical. It's hard for me to say. But it's, I I just kind of cringe when I hear things at such young age. But I, I wouldn't say that you're damaged. But, I, you know, I don't but,
2: think But, you know,
0: have you seen the movie that I was talking about, Generation Rx? Did you see that? I
2: haven't seen it, but I am go- I have Apple TV now, so when I get home after I go to the gym, I'm going to put it on, on
0: Netflix. Yeah, I would watch it because you are that generation. Uh, it's like a couple years just older than my son, um, and then and ones that are, I think, a little bit older than you. Um, so my question, though, to you is, uh, if you want to talk about it, if you don't, we have two minutes left, but uh, so you were able to stay away from heroin for eight months, and then did you use it again?
2: Yeah, I mean, I must have – I've done this more than once. I've been on – I've been on buprenorphine, you know, so uh, opiate replacement therapy. I've been on that for, like, two years. Mm -hmm. And in that that two years, I never got strung out again. I've probably used heroin about 15 or 20 times. I mean, not just heroin, like all pharmaceuticals. I've probably used 15 or 20 times over the past two years. Mm -hmm. But I never got – you know, that's a lot different than using every day. And I guess because of the opiate replacement therapy, I never got – strung out again you know i never started using daily again and then you know you things happen you know you get a job you get this you get that and it makes it impossible not to use it and you know most of the time when i get a craving when i get a craving i can just be like whatever i'm having a craving and then you know it goes away but sometimes i'll just get these cravings that last for three or four days it just it seems like i can't i dream about it i taste it i it, it's so bad that i eventually just go back in kill the craving, and then usually I don't get another craving like that for another month or two or more.
0: Wow. So um, we have like 50 seconds left. I think that it, compared to when I first met you, that it's certainly, you know, it is better, right? I mean, I, and I think that to be around people who just say, well, you know, rather than the kind of things that would, would be said to you at N.A. or, at A, you know, A.A., that's Monica, I
2: couldn't string two weeks together in AA. I could yeah, not. Look at I could not look, look at this.
0: I think that there's a whole group of people that are through blogging and reading a book here and a book there and in communities. And, go ahead, and, Yeah.
1: And also, you know,
0: try to find holistic doctors or open-minded
1: doctors because if you are, you obviously are battling with, with things that are, you know, going your body. So, I mean, you know, take care. You know, try to look for doctors that are a little more open Minded, but medically,
0: you know, trained, this kind of
2: thing. That's. But... Are you still Are you still there? Yeah, I'm. I'm
0: still here. Oh, okay. So the show is over, but we can finish. Let me. Um, let me see if. This... I'm really glad you called. I know
1: about you through Monica, and I've always wanted to say hello. So. <laughs> so we get to Well, well, Hi.
0: I'm glad I called I'm so too. I'm glad to hear from you, but I, I should hang up and finish up the show, and then um, because I'm not sure if it's actually recording. I don't think it is. I think it stopped whenever I've done this before. So uh, if if this is recording uh, over and out, I I am going to upload two more weeks of shows, and then I'll be back with a live show. So let me end this episode. You can stay on the phone a second. Uh, End episode.